Where do I begin thinking about critical race theory and the doctrine of God and how those two things relate together? Welcome to the Baptist Broadcast. Thank you all for tuning in, whether or not you're listening, maybe you're just listening on Anchor.fm or on iTunes or on Spotify or, or the countless other platforms that this is, is, is hosted on, whether or not you're uh, watching on YouTube. If you are watching on YouTube, please click the subscribe button down below here and the bell for continued notifications. If this episode helps you at all, give me a thumbs up and share it if you don't mind also. What is the relationship between the fight against critical race theory and the doctrine of God? They are basically two fronts that the creedal, confessional Christian is fighting. And sometimes they have help from non-creedal and confessional professing Christians. Sometimes they have help from secularists. And other times those people from whom they have help on one front are actually their enemies on the other front. So it's a very complicated battlefield, and I don't want to really get into the battlefield layout here, but I do want to talk about how it's totally and utterly inconsistent and self-defeating to at once set forth a God who is in perpetual and forever motion, while at the same time trying to fend off the critical race theory goons who are trying to destroy everything in their path through standpoint, epistemology, and intersectionality. How come you can't have a social Trinitarian God or a God in process or a personalist God or a mutualist God, and fight critical race theory at the same time? Why can't you do those two things? Why can't you affirm eternal subordination of the sun and fight critical race theory at the same time? Why can't you do that? There's, I mean, you can do that, but your own intellectual credit is actually, uh, is actually at stake when you do, because what you're trying to do is you're trying to, you're trying to put two diametrically opposed concepts together. You are at once standing on the foundation of a God that cannot account for constancy and therefore cannot account for objectivity in the world because this God's in perpetual motion. And you're trying to defeat a an enemy, critical race theory, that's predicated upon the idea of constant change, no constancy, no objectivity, subjectivism all the way around it, no objective natures or essences in things that determine what things or particular things are. Okay, that was kind of maybe an egg-headed way to explain the situation and give the battlefield layout. Let me try to simplify it. God accounts for all objectivity. God accounts for all objectivity. God accounts for why he provides the sufficient reason or the sufficient explanation for why this pin is a pin. Let's, let's 
dig up a more significant example. God accounts for why man is who man or what man is. Okay? God is responsible for creating man, and thus God determines what man is. Everything that man is, is derivative of God. God caused it. God determined what man was going to be, and then he actualized man, and man meets that determination. Man is, uh, form meets matter. The, uh, the decree is actualized in reality, in creation, and man becomes a living being. And that means that it is the nature of God that determines the objectivity of the nature of man. Now, let me try to let me try to relate that further to, to, to the issue at stake here. Man's nature stays the same. Man's nature doesn't change based on what we think of it. It doesn't change based on the motion or the movement or the progress of time. Man's nature is a constant. It's a constant. It does not change. Individual men change, right? Individual men change, but the essence they instantiate, the human essence, does not change. It does not change. It's a constant. There is something making man who he is that doesn't change. Even And, and, that's, and that's where we locate consistency. That's where we locate sameness. Why can Josh be one way at one moment and another way at another moment yet remain the same in some sense? Why is that the case? Well, because there is an essence, there is a nature that remains the same. And in terms of natures and, and the particulars that instantiate the natures and all of this, and the way that breaks down in terms of taxonomy and, you know, uh, and that gets complicated. And you can, you can, you could spend a whole lifetime trying to, trying to uh, organize uh, the genera and then the species and all of that. And Aristotle did that. In, in, insofar as he was able with his limited knowledge of the world. This is why in science we have something called taxonomy. You have genus, kingdom, phylum, species, and all of this. You know, all these categories. All these, all these ways of organizing. Uh, organizing uh, creation. Organizing reality. So there's a constant. Uh, a, a, a tree panda... Uh, is born and dies in, you know, a few years. But that doesn't rid the world of the identity of what makes a tree panda a tree panda. Okay, that's that's the easiest way I could explain that. Tree pandaness doesn't go away with the death of one tree panda. And so there is something accounting for the constancy 
of particulars, the sameness of particulars, even though particulars change all the time. There's still some sameness there. Now, th that sameness is what accounts for the objectivity of a thing, right? So we say man is who he is. Man is the image of God, and that never changes. If it changed every five minutes, if it changed every two seconds, if it changed every millisecond, then of course we'd have no objective way to define the image of God. We wouldn't have any objective way to define man in the image of God or according to the image of God because it would change. It would be in flux constantly. There'd be no way to, to, to pinpoint any sort of, any sort of uh, consistency Right, it it would be a concept emptied of all meaning. In fact, if everything was nothing but change, and that that kind of Heracletian, everything is change, everything's in flux, and so there's no objective rock that we can stand on and say that's what this or that thing is. That's what man is, and sorry, there's nothing you can do to change that. We live in a world that wants to, to, to make that a reality. We live in a world that wants to say everything is changing all the time. Everything's in flux all the time. And everything is a product of what I imagine it to be. This is the root cause of transgenderism. This is the root cause of critical race theory. With its locating essential human identity, locating essential anthropology in something like race or ethnicity. And then shattering the human essence and breaking it up to where there is no identifiable human essence whatsoever in virtue of their epistemology, their standpoint epistemology. I've done stuff on standpoint epistemology before. It's just, it's just a way of saying that uh, it's it's an it's another form. It's another brand of Gnosticism. It says I know things you don't know. You know things I don't know, and I can't possibly know the things you know because of your skin color, your experiences, and blah blah blah. And there are there are things that you know that I can't know unless you share them with me that affect your inter interpretation of the scriptures, such that you have a a picture of the redemptive plan that I don't have access to unless you share it with me or unless I empathetically relate to you. That's the only way that I can see that aspect of Scripture, which that's just another brand of Gnosticism. So if you okay, so if you're trying to tinker with the doctrine of God on the one hand, and you've fallen into the theistic personalist camp. Worse than that, you've actually affirmed change in God ad intra. That means God in himself. Essentially, he changes. He changes. If that's the God you're going with, if that's the claim you're going with, with regards to your theology proper, you can't turn around and then fight the critical race theorist. Why? Because your metaphysics consists of nothing but changed. It's pure potentiality. It is to posit a cause without... No, no, no. It's to posit a constant effect. It's to posit a, an effect without a cause. 
All of reality is an effect because all of reality is motion, God included. So you've you've actually just taken you you've taken Heraclitus's universe and you've put God into it. You've put God into it. Now all you have is a Heracletian universe. God has changed and um and 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 you know, maybe he changes in a way that is is supernatural, it's transcendent of creation or whatever. You've affirmed motion in God. You've affirmed change in God. God has changed and everything around you has changed. Where's the constancy in that picture? Where's the constancy? Another thing we could talk about is unity and how unity, oneness, actually accounts for objective meaning as well. So it's really important that we affirm divine simplicity. But here I want to harp on the immutability aspect. Because if you affirm mutability in God, then we live in a universe, and, and there's a God of this universe who's nothing but change. Change characterizes everything in existence. And that is exactly what the critical theorist wants. That's exactly what the transgenderism proponent wants. Because if everything's change, then there is no law, there is no constancy that determines what things are. So that you can have things be whatever you want them to be. And everything loses all objective meaning. So it becomes the 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 uh, the Epicureans dreamscape. Because now they can live their lives however they however they want. They're not they're not jailed, as it were, by a human nature. Human nature doesn't exist in any objective sense whatsoever. We get to we get to determine what that is because it's been emptied of all meaning since it's changing all the time. There's no way to objectively define it. So if you if you're tinkering with the doctrine of God, you're saying things like Actus Purus is not the is not the God of the Bible. God is not pure actuality. There's potentiality in God. There's motion in God. There's change in God. Then you need to explain what the constancy is that accounts for objectivity in this world. Because if you're going to argue with the critical race theorist, you need to be standing on a, a foundation of objectivity. And that's just not happening with you if you are denying the very foundation of objectivity in the first place by positing motion in the divinity of God. And, and again, the same, it breaks down the same way on the front of, of the unity of God, the oneness of God, um, and how we need to have a strong doctrine of divine simplicity in order to account for objectivity. Because if you, if you deny simplicity, and God is just an amalgamation of parts, whether those parts be the persons of the Trinity, whether they be aspects of God's being, or, or, or real distinct properties in the divine essence that accrue to the divine essence somehow. However you slice the pie, you end up with a partitioned God. There's no unity. He's parts. He's composed of parts. Where is the unity that actually accounts for the diversity? Because if, if everything's diversity, if everything's parts, if everything's uh, uh, composed then how do you evaluate composition and how do you do, do you make distinctions between the composition without something that is unified in the background that allows you to, 
to tell one thing from the other, if that makes sense. There has to be constancy. And there has to be constancy in terms of 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 change and things staying the same. And there has to be constancy in terms of there being different particular things and they being grounded in some ultimate reality that is one and unified and responsible for giving identity and, and meaning to all of the particular things we come into experience with in this world. So this is by no means a comprehensive review of this issue, but hopefully you can see at least a, a snapshot of why you can't tinker with the doctrine of God and then hope to consistently address the critical race theory issue. Because you're you're giving away your ground of objectivity and the things you're saying about God, and then you're turning around and you're arguing on the basis of objectivity, which you can't locate, not even in God, because God is all change and God is composed of parts. And so there's no ground, there's no objective metaphysical ground for, for objectivity in this world. You can't do that and then turn around and expect to have any sort of success against critical race theory. Anyway, I will go ahead and, and, and stop there. Uh, again, if you are watching this on YouTube, you better not leave here without clicking the subscribe button and clicking that bell for continued notifications. If you are podcasting this bad boy, please give me a share. God bless you guys.